Great. Well, welcome if uh, this is your first visit to us. Again, uh, I'll introduce myself. My name's John, uh, John Ayrton. I'm uh, one of the pastors here, and uh, I'm going to be looking at God's Word as we look at His Word together today. Um, as Lou uh, said um, before, we've been doing a series on uh, serving. Um, I've missed the last two. I've heard them online, and it's been a blessing to do that. We've just come back from holiday. So uh, looking forward to the year ahead. I hope you are too. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's lots of kind of fresh starts. I don't know whether you're like me. Sometimes I, I still feel that somehow September is more like the beginning of the year than January. And I don't know why that is, but it does sometimes feel like that. And the reason we look at God's word uh, as a church family together is because we want our lives to be shaped by his truth, don't we? That's what we want. And we want to get to know what he says in his word, the Bible, and we want our lives to be changed by that. And so as I said, we've been looking at this whole question of why do we, um, rather, about growing servant hearts. Now why? Why would we do such a thing? (laughs) Why look at that particular passage, that particular subject? Why spend uh, three weeks uh, on that? Well... Look at this. This is a passage, a little uh, few verses from Ephesians. It's uh, a kind of a picture, a vision, uh, a possibility of what communities of God's people can be like that. It says, uh, we're going to speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's what we want to be as a church community, isn't it? We want to be connected to Jesus individually and, and growing. Like the head is connected to the body and the life kind of the, uh, flows through every part of it. And that's one of the reasons we, we wanted to, to kind of do this uh, series to help to encourage us to, to be available for Jesus to use each one of us in this church community as we serve. We grow like him by serving to grow up into him. Lots of people growing to be more like Christ. It says, did you see that? It says, uh, building itself up in love, growing full of love. Last week, I know you thought about how we serve one another. We serve Jesus out of love. And we want this community, our community, to be growing in that way, don't we? Not a bad thing, is it? And there's a book that goes with the series called Serving Without Sinking. Anyone read it yet or got hold of it? It's a really great little book. We had it in our home group two or three or four or the years at my age. They kind of merge into one. But anyway, a few years ago, we had it in our, our, our cell group. And it was really an excellent book. I just spent some of yesterday kind of skim reading it again. Certainly the last few chapters of it. And I really would recommend it. It's a really excellent book book now here's a question you've seen that and we've got that kind of picture of what the church could be like is it possible do we read these things in the bible just to kind of give us a kind of a a, almost to tease us as to what might be you know i've been here in portsmouth church working in this job for just over 10 years 
And when I came 10 years ago, it happened that the church was uh, studying the book of Ephesians. And I remember we, we had this passage then. So we could say to ourselves, oh, well, so we've been 10 years, we've got that. But, well, how are we getting on with it? Is it something that's possible? Is it something that we're making progress on? Is, if that was the vision then, did, did we ever get there? Did you ever get there? Are we getting there? What's, how's it going? Behind that, there's this question, how do you keep going in this? How do we keep going in serving? You know, serving can be difficult, can't it? can be a bit demanding. It can, it's not a lot of fun sometimes, although I hope we're going to see that there's great joy in it too. How do you keep going? How do you keep growing in our Christian life? Are you like me? Sometimes I look back over my Christian life. I've been a Christian. I became a Christian when I was 11, coming up 12, and that was 50 years ago. 50 years ago, I became a Christian. I look back over my Christian life, and there's been, like, been ups and downs. And sometimes I can look back and think of, you know, like when I was young, you go to a camp. Actually, I became a Christian at a Christian camp, and, and that was part of my journey. Uh, and then, you, you know, you go to things like Spring Harvest or New Wine or Soul Survivor, or, and you get a kind of, or Keswick or something. You get a, get a kind of boost, as it were, and then you come and you think, oh, I'm going to keep going. And then it, oh, you think, oh, it gets a bit harder. Is it just me that's been like that, or do you find that sometimes? How do we kind of keep going? How do we keep growing in serving? You may have had a lot of special moments in your Christian life. I know I have. But um, we go through them, and there are kind of ups and downs, and there are seasons, and I believe that sometimes there are particular seasons when God works in special ways, or he does special things, and we can't necessarily be on a great kind of high all of the time. But we still need to be continuing to grow, to continue to serve. How do we do that? You know, some people I've met, um, and you may even be one of these people, even will hesitate about becoming a Christian in the first place. Because they'll look and they'll think, well, how can I keep it up? How can I keep going? You know, if I become a Christian, I'm not sure that I can keep going with it. And, you know, becoming a Christian is like starting a journey, isn't it? You know, Jesus said this in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle of heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Jesus invites us, before we know him, to come to him and find rest. To come to him because he's done everything we need to be right with God. He's done everything we need to be children of God, to be adopted into God's family. He died on the cross for us. As we've already heard in this series, he has served us in the most powerful, fundamental, deep way possible. And he invites us to come to him and to begin walking with him and learning with him on a journey And that journey is of being like him, doing what he does. And what he does is serve. 
If you've been to any of the other two sessions, you can hear them online. It's been all about how Jesus is the one who comes as a servant. And if we're going to be like him, then we need to go the same way with him. It's kind of in our DNA as Christians. It's part of being connected to the Lord Jesus. And actually, if you've got that book, and there's a few, le- a few left, there's lots of really helpful stuff in the book all about that. Now today, as we think for the last time about growing a servant heart, I just want to get one big point across, okay? Oh, has it worked? There it is. <laughs> That's my one big point. It is we can keep going with Jesus. If you're thinking, oh, it's hard to keep going, the thing is, we can keep going with Jesus. You can keep living, you can keep serving with him. It is possible to be sustained for the long haul, okay? So we needn't be thinking, oh, I can't keep going. We needn't be thinking, how do I keep going? This serving thing is, is getting me down because it's too difficult. We can keep going with Jesus. And I want us to look into the Bible. And as we look into the Bible, I hope we'll be able to see that actually it's not just us that finds things difficult at times. It's not just us that finds it harder to keep going. And I hope we'll find some help. So let's look at page 1195 in your Bibles, if you want to turn them up. This is the book of 2 Timothy. And we're looking into chapter 1 and a little bit in chapter 2. 2 Timothy, uh, chapter 1, on page 1195. While you're finding it, let me tell you a little bit about this letter. It's written by the Apostle Paul, one of the leaders in the early church, one of the first generations followers of Jesus. The Apostle Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament. God, through the Holy Spirit, brings his word to us through this man, this Apostle Paul. And Timothy... Uh, was a great friend of Paul's. He was actually someone who worked with him, who uh, was on the road with him. He's at, in fact, he was very much like a son to Paul. Timothy was like his spiritual son, uh, his mentor. And, and he's a very key person. He crops up all over the New Testament. In fact, in the book of Philippians, you don't need to look at it now. We looked at it two weeks ago. Remember, two weeks ago, we looked at that passage that talked about Jesus as the servant. And we were told to have the mindset of Jesus, it tells us in that passage. And it says we shouldn't look to our own interests. You remember that? That's in that passage. Well, later on, the next chapter, Paul says, you know, I'm sending Timothy to you. You know, I, you know Timothy, he really bigs him up. He says, I don't know anyone like Timothy. He says, compared to Timothy, everyone else just looks after their own interests. But Timothy, he's not like that. This is the man who is receiving the letter we're about to read from the Apostle Paul. Timothy, Paul's friend. Let's start in 2 Timothy 1 verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus 
before the beginning of time, but it was now being revealed through the appearance of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed, destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And then in chapter 2, verse 1, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ, of Christ Jesus rather. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, uh, sorry, I've gone too far. I, went, I meant to stop at verse 3. We'll come back to the rest later. Join me, with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus, verse 3. So, okay. Timothy, how do you think he's doing? How's he getting on as he gets this letter from the Apostle Paul? Because the Apostle Paul says this to him. He says, fan into flame. He says, this life God's given you, you need to rekindle it. You need to get some air on it. You need it to burn up a bit more. So do you think Timothy is hot and on fire? Does Paul think Timothy is having a great time spiritually? Well, if he thought that, why would he say, fan it into flame? Do you think Timothy could be thinking, how do I keep going? Because the Apostle Paul, you see, his great friend is now in prison in Rome. This is the last letter Paul writes. And later in the letter, he says to Timothy, you know, Timothy, I think the time for my departure isn't far off. So Timothy is there in Ephesus as a church leader, getting a letter from his great friend and father in the faith, the Apostle Paul. And he's told, you need to get some air onto the flame of the life of God in you. What's Paul asking him to do? He's saying, don't be ashamed, he says, about the truth of Jesus. And you need to be willing to suffer for the gospel. Now, he's not talking here in the way we talk about suffering generally. We think, you know, suffering, a big problem. I mean, it is a big problem in the world, and the Bible does address it. But, you know, whether it's disastrous earthquakes or hurricanes or, you know, or terminal illnesses or catastrophes of one kind or another in our personal lives. That's not here what Paul is talking about. He's talking about suffering for the gospel, as he puts it. It's about the kind of hard graft of saying, I love Jesus, and I'm not going to let go of that love for Jesus. I'm going to keep going. I've been called to follow him, to serve him. I'm going to, that's going to be hard graft. It's hard for Paul as it happens. Paul is in prison. He's there. Why? Because he's open about his faith. And suffering for the gospel may be about the hard graft of being open about our faith. It's about the hard graft of being there for people. To see Christ in you, in me. It's about the hard graft of, of, of standing our ground, being a follower of Jesus. Paul isn't giving up. He's in prison because he's going to stand by what he believes. And he's going to stand kind of for the people he's worked with and prayed for and so on. You know, he's, he's keeping going. He's in prison. It's hard graft. And Paul is saying to Timothy, you need to join me in that hard graft of serving and of following Jesus. Because you see, says Paul, you can keep going. You can keep serving. 
And that's what I want for you, Timothy. How's that flame going to be fanned into life again? Well, Paul talks about this new life God has given him. Did you notice that? He talks about the Holy Spirit. He says, God has given his life to you. When you became a Christian, you, you got God in your life. So you're not on your own, Timothy. And it's so for us, we're not Christians because of us, but because of God giving us his life, because of that invitation from Jesus. Sure, we've repented and we believed, but it was Jesus who came into our lives. So how do we keep on serving? How do we keep on following him? Well, it says the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, gives us things to help us. Notice what they were? Power, love, self-discipline. There they are. Verse 7. What are those things? Power. The strength to keep going. Love, the engine for serving, as uh, Lou talked about last week. Self-discipline. It's about one step and keep going. Love, power, self-discipline. Not kind of generated from by all the effort I do, but by God at work in me, in you. How we can keep going. How we keep serving. Keeping on living the good news. Verse 9, he talks about the gospel. It's a lot of great stuff, which I won't kind of expound. Not here, not now. You might be relieved to know. Um, But there's some amazing truth about the gospel. that, That means that the good news of what God has done in rescuing us. In from verse 9 onwards. Paul says that God has saved us. He said, God has called us to a holy life. Paul says, it's you know, the gospel, it's in our spiritual DNA, as it were. So we keep going. So in one sense, although it seems like it to us, what Paul is saying, because we have God in our lives, because the Spirit can give us the, lo- the power, the love, and the self-discipline, because we're connected to Jesus through the gospel, yet keeping going is not perhaps as hugely difficult <laughs> as we might fear or think. Or find. Because there's that idea of, he said, God's called us to a, a holy life. And that, that has the idea of God's movement. It's, almost, it's not quite the right thing, but you know, sometimes if you're in an airport, we were in an airport um, recently, and you know, it unfortunately didn't work. It was, you know, these walking, you know, travelator things. It didn't work. It had a thing across it. Oh, now we're going to have to run down the, the thing. But you know, some, sometimes some of those things, they are, they, they're, they don't move until you step on them. Have you ever been on one of those? Some escalators can be like that. It can be a bit confusing. You think this escalator's broken. And if you, and if you walk on it, ooh, it starts going up, down, or, or up. But it's almost like that. We, we step in, as it were, it, God's, God's call is, is like that. We step onto something, and, and suddenly we find we're, we're in the flow of God's purposes. He's called us, He's working. And like, sure, we don't just stand there and relax, you know, get the deck chair right and sit down. We, we've still got kind of, a, we've got a journey to do. We still keep walking. But, but there's this kind of movement of God, this call of God, this work of God is part of it. It's the same idea in chapter 2, verse 1, where then Paul says to Timothy, you can be strong, but in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
grace, the resources of God, the help of God. It's all there in Christ for you, Timothy. You be strong, but be strong because Christ is yours. Because that's what's happened. God has come in to your life. So Timothy can keep going, living and serving with Jesus. We can keep going, living and serving with Jesus because of God's work in him. The Spirit, Holy Spirit who's been given to him. The gifts that God has given. You can't talk about serving really without talking about the gifts God gives us to enable us to serve one another. Um, and we need to get hold of that truth. And here in 1 Timothy, Paul says, Stir up the flame, uh, fan into life, the f- fan into flame, the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. God's given a gift, firstly of himself, but also of the gifts we need to serve with joy. And secondly, Timothy can carry on because of God's work for him. He's been rescued, called to a holy life, so he can share in the tough things, the hard graft of keeping serving. And if you are here and you are thinking, I don't know whether I could ever become a Christian because I couldn't keep it up. Well, the answer to that question is God will keep you up. Jesus will keep you up. It's not about you keeping it up anyway. You want to find out more about that. Alpha is a good place to find out. Starting this week, tomorrow night, talk to Louise and she'll tell you all about it afterwards. That's why we can keep going. God's work in us, the Holy Spirit, God's work for us, the gospel. Are you willing to take the cost, face the graft, keep going, be sustained in serving, in living with Jesus? We can be. You know, when I was uh, young in my parents' house, when I was a little boy, we had this arga cooker. It was a bit weird, really, because you think of arga cookers are things that belong in, you know, massive farmhouses, you know, or, or in, in Islington or, you know, somewhere like that. Um, <laughs> but we lived in a, a semi, the three bedroom semi detached in Fairham. So it wasn't a farm, it wasn't big, and it certainly wasn't kind of Islington. But for some reason, the previous owners had put an arga cooker in and, and uh, this arga cooker it was one of the old school argas where you had to fill it up every morning with coke I mean coke not coca-cola or the other one but actual <laughs> actual coke you know coke that burns and we had a bunker full of it outside and you had to fill up the coal scuttle and empty the coke into the middle of the the ring Uh, how you know that helped with the cooking i don't know because the ring was covered in coke dust but you had to kind of sweep it off it was a filthy occupation really anyway at the bottom of it there was a little door saying keep this shut tightly closed the door was the the place where you you know the air came in at the bottom maybe some of you've had that experience and you had to keep it t- tightly closed um, un- unless you needed to get the, th- unless it was going out or getting a bit, you know, you know, under the weather, so to speak. The fire was going down. Then you'd open the door and leave it open for a bit, not too long. My mum did that once and ended up the, the, the top of the ring welded itself to the middle, but that's another story. But, but you're supposed to open the door and, and let some air in. Shut the door again, you know, 10 minutes, quarter now. Or, or, or you gr- riddle it, you know, riddling, you know, thing, like you do it sometimes with wood, wood burning, you riddle it to let the air in because that helps the, 
helps the flame burn. You get better bread or whatever. Why have I told you that? Well, <laughs> our lives. How do we fan into flame? That's the image of letting the oxygen into the flame. Do we need to kind of open up a bit to God? You know, are our lives like the wood-burning stove that's, you know, like when you shut it all down, don't you, to keep it in overnight or whatever? Shut it up, lock it down, shut the vents at the bottom, and then in the morning it's just about alive. Although whenever we've gone on cottages, holiday cottages, they always seem to burn out overnight. But anyway, you come in the morning and there's a little bit of that, and you open, the air comes in, and it burns. Do you need to do that? How do we do that? Well, there are these disciplines in our lives, like communion. When we come to communion, what are we reminded of? The gospel. We're reminded that Jesus has died for us, that we belong to him, that he's our Lord. Worship. Maybe just taking time to stop and realize the joy of being rescued again. To see our Christian life as a relationship with the God who's loved us. Uh, Our lives are touched by the spirit who fills us. To follow Jesus, the son who served us. To kind of just open ourselves up again. Open the door. Let God's kind of truth kind of burn again. To enable us to continue serving. Maybe as we read the Bible, not losing truth, touch with the truth. Maybe every day you could just stop at the beginning of the day or in the middle of the day or on your way to work. I don't know. And just say, Lord, I need power. I need love. I need discipline for today. That's what you promised me by the Holy Spirit. Please give me that today. Maybe you need that for this next hour. (laughs) I need love. I need power. I don't know how I'm going to make that new person welcome. I don't know I'm going to have a conversation with somebody here I've never seen before. Lord, give me the power to do that. Give me the love that comes from you to walk across the room. Or you can put it, fit it in for yourselves. Paul says to Timothy, join me in suffering. He says, actually, another way you can be helped, and I'm not going to dwell on it, but it's worth noting. He says, you can involve other people. Paul says twice, if not three times here, join me in suffering. Paul says, Timothy, you're not on your own. In fact, at the beginning, he says, uh, at the beginning of chapter 2, he says, I want you to, to pass on the truth and share it with faithful witnesses. Timothy, don't be alone in Ephesus. Because you're struggling to be sustained. You can be sustained. But one way you might be able to rekindle the fire is by sharing the truth with other people who will be in, as it were, your community, a brotherhood of of servants with you. How can we find ways of doing that? Maybe in house groups, maybe in prayer partnerships, all kinds of possibilities. But if none of these things are in my life, then I'm in danger of shutting all the doors, like the wood burner. How is the oxygen going to get in? How is the fire going to be fanned into flame? Now, there's another way that Paul encourages Timothy to keep going. And we read it in chapter 2. I'm not going to spend so long on this, so don't worry. Chapter 2, verse 3. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus... 
No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Again, he's saying, join me in suffering. And again, it's not about, you know, going through disasters. It's about the hard graft for the gospel. The hard graft of keeping on with Jesus. The hard graft of being a servant like him. Living for him. Praying, paying the price for that. And serving others is part of that. It's part of the hard graft of living for Jesus. And it can be outside the comfort zone, can't it? We all have different comfort zones. Yours may be one, mine may be another. That's why it's great to be in a body. Because if you're an introvert, that's okay. Um, An extrovert can introduce you to somebody new and you can chat with them. If you want to. Or you can find a way of praying. Or you can, or if you're an extrovert and you, you know, you buzzing all over the place, well, somebody might be really glad of a quieter person to draw alongside them. There are ways. That's why we're a body. But we serve outside the comfort zone, don't we? And that will be part of it. It's the way of Jesus. And Paul gives three examples of people who kind of find themselves, um, by definition, outside the comfort zone. And Paul says to Timothy, be like these people. So he says, be like soldiers. Now, soldiers, he said, need to be focused. He said, you know, know, they're focused on what they do. They don't get involved in other stuff. They need to be focused. That doesn't go this all the way. It's an example. (laughs) Paul is using it as an example. He says, athletes, you know, they they need to kind of compete around. They they have to go around the track. They have to do all the training. You know, they're not going to be an athlete, and they're so willing to go through the hard graft of, of being an athlete. And then he says, farmers, you know, it's hard work for farmers. They, they've got to do the sowing and all of that. So he's saying, look, these people, by definition, their life can be hard, can be tough, hard graft. And that's sometimes how it is for us. Each one faces a cost. But there's more because each one gets something as well. Each one experiences joy. So he says, the soldier, look at it there. Well, the soldier, what does he do? He pleases his commanding officer. He's really pleased that the commanding officer is pleased with him. The, the um, athlete, well, if they compete, they get a prize. You know, even if you're in the London Marathon and you don't win, you still get a medal, don't you? Is that right? You know, the fun run, is that right? Is that right, Luke? Sarah, Sarah, yeah, you got, you got medals, you got prizes, yeah. Because, uh, you know, you did it. You did, the, you did it. You might have walked in at the end. I'm not saying you did. You might have done. But you got it. Each face a cost and each experience joy. The hardworking farmer gets to enjoy the crops. What Paul is saying is that it's worth it all, you see, because we, if we keep going, we keep serving, we keep following, we get to please the Lord Jesus. How about that? 
Don't you want to do that? Wouldn't you like to know the joy of pleasing him? It's not difficult. Just keep going. Pleasing him. You know, uh, Luke referred to it earlier. Matthew 25. Jesus says, when you did those things to other people, you did them for me. I was there in it all. It's true. As we serve, we find Jesus is kind of in there with us. And Mother Teresa, actually, she talked about seeing Jesus actually, he took Matthew 25 and applied it this way and said, I can see Jesus in the eyes of the person who's dying in front of me. I see that I'm doing that for Jesus. He's there somehow. You know, I used to hate hospitals. And um, sorry if you work in one or spend time in one, but I used to really hate them uh, up until about 15 years ago. And I used to hate them because uh, the only time I'd been in them was like when people had died far too young. And I'd been in intensive care units and prayed for people, close friends, and you know, the whole hospital kind of thing was just horrendous for me after that. And one day I was in Warwick Hospital. I was going to help out um, the pastor of our church. He was a part-time chaplain there, and he said to me, uh, could you help me? I need someone to play the piano occasionally. I sometimes play the piano. And uh, he said, they can't do it. So could you do it occasionally? I thought, well, yeah, why not? And I was walking down Warwick Hospital corridor towards the chapel. And I was thinking, I hate these places. I, what am I doing here? This is, I don't want to do, this is, this is, oh, hospitals. This, oh, this was about 15 years ago. I was younger then. Since then, I've had a great experience of that as an inpatient even, lots of other good things. But anyway, as I was I just something said to me, or it came into my head. It's like God spoke to me, I think. He said, you know, Jesus spent a lot of time with sick people. And I thought, yeah, that's right. Jesus, you know, you might serve at breakfast. I think, How can I serve at breakfast? That's a really hard thing. You know, Jesus spent a lot of time with marginalized people. And as we spend time for him, we discover him there. And we feel something of the joy of pleasing him. There's a prize. There's nourishment. Like the farmer eat, gets to eat the crops first. There's nourishment. How about that? There's seeing fruity delights growing in your life as you serve Jesus. There's, as you change. As you do things that you would have never done without Jesus. You know, you might be, because you're serving Jesus, there, there are places you've never gone, things you've never done without him. That's fruit, that's change. That's joy. That's the joy of serving with him. Part of my life with Jesus is serving. The more we're out of our comfort zone, the more aware we can be of Jesus with us. So we can keep going with Jesus. You can keep living and serving with him. Serving with a heart that's set alight because you know God is working in you. You know you've been given the spirit of love and power and self-discipline, gifts that God has given to live in a way that points people to Jesus because he saved you. He's given you his new life when you came to him. And now you learn from him as you live. How could this happen in your life? Well, here's something you could try this week if you want to. Each day, pause quietly at some point with God and acknowledge him. And there's a couple of prayers you could pray. 
You could say, thank you, Father. You've saved me. Thank you for being in me by the Holy Spirit. Today, I want to serve you. Please lead me. How about praying that prayer or something like it? Thank you, Lord, you saved me. You're in me by the Holy Spirit. Lead me into what you want me to do to serve you this day. You could pray too, thank you, Jesus, that there is joy in serving you. May I know that joy as I serve you today. Not too hard, is it? Try it. See what he does. Share it with others. Because, you know, he answers those prayers. You can review it. And if you're not yet a Christian, then tell Jesus that you want to come to him. You want to have the rest he promised. You want to begin to live for him, with him. Turn to him. Talk to one of our prayer team at the back on the right-hand corner afterwards if you want to find out more. Sign up for Alpha. Get a lot more information there too. But don't think, I can't keep it up. And what would it be like if we all did that? How fresh and on fire would we be when we came to church? Or when we got together and shared stories in house groups? What would it be like in our front lines with the people we work with, the people we know, the people in our roads, the families? What would it be like if we were kind of keeping on just being willing to serve Jesus, aware of the Holy Spirit in our lives, asking for the power, the love, the self-discipline he promises? Well, we'd be like new Christians, wouldn't we? (laughs) We'd all be connected to Jesus We'd all be growing more like him as we serve. In fact, it would look a little bit like this, wouldn't it? In Ephesians 4. So shall we do it then? Yes. Thank you. Yes. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you do call us into that relationship of serving because we follow the one who served. And we pray that we may come to you again, that we may know that rekindling of that fanning into flame of that life in us. We thank you that we can keep on loving and serving and living for Jesus. We pray that this week we'll live our lives in the truth of that and find the joy of walking with you wherever you lead us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.